Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Bruce, that was a hey, hey, David. Hey, yeah, that was a. It's not quite as. It's not as devastating as that loss to Anaheim, or as frustrating when the Oilers gave up three goals there in the last minute or a few minutes. That was a really tough loss, though. 4-3, yeah. 4-3 to the Hawks, Bruce, and they scored three goals out of nothing. On point shots, pretty pretty much nothing situations, point shots, it got deflected, and it is so frustrating. All these years, I don't know, like, does every team give up as many deflected goals as the Oilers do, or is this just an Oilers specialty felt in big like playoff another, games? Felt like a game against San Jose Sharks tonight. Yeah. Remember that game this year when the Sharks got six goals and they were basically all the same goal? And, you know, Bruce, Nine they were late. deflected in front. Yeah, they were late to the point on each of those shots. They were, I don't know, they too, maybe they're trying to take away down low, so you got to give up something. Maybe, you know, you're always going to give up, so they're giving up the point shot. But, man, that strategy. When the Oilers are playing well, Bruce, under Tippett, they don't do that. They, they, they're not playing well defensively. They're disjointed defensively. They've been just disjointed defensively all through this series. They're not even close to playing their A game on defense. And it could cost them the series in the end because uh, I, think that the, I think that the more talented team, but they're just out of, out of sync and out of whack. And Chicago's right now the better team. And I thought mm-hmm. actually Chicago was the better team in this game and deserved mm-hmm. that win. Yeah, I, th- I think they were slightly better than the Oilers were. It was a really weird game, disjointed and so many iffy penalty calls and we're going to get to all this. So this is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. What is your good thing, Bruce? Well, I'm going to go with Leon Dreisaitl's uh, uh, game. I thought I was expecting him to bounce back with a strong game tonight and he did uh, delivering the first two Edmonton goals and setting up the third one by uh, Connor McDavid. Uh, he was... Um, uh, Unfortunately, the loser of the face-off that led to the game-winning goal against, no doubt he'll take some criticism for that, but uh, uh, I thought, you know, he was the offense tonight. This was a night I didn't think McDavid and his line had very much going on, and uh, the, the dry subtle line brought it, and a uh, uh, big man came up with, uh, you know, he was in on all three Edmonton goals, and for a time it looked like it might be enough for them to hang on and win 3-2. But uh, that was uh, not to be. Some games in the third period this year, the Oilers have really played well with the lead. Mm-hmm. And you get the sense they're going to win the game. That's I never awesome. had that sense this game that they were. They just seemed to lack energy. They, lack, they lacked physical play. It was and tough to get physical play going. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. My good thing, and I had a hard time, honestly, thinking of a good thing because the the top the McDavid line wasn't really going the dry side line at even strength wasn't really going I mean they did they did score um, they got some breaks that went their way um, especially after Ennis got hurt Athanasiu just Athanasiu is lost on that line don't put him on that line he just he 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 every play died when it reached the stick didn't it it did and it's because he's so over tentative yeah. he's just doesn't he's not playing well like get him off of that line. Anyway, the and then the Shane line, you know, Shane gave up the puck on the boards there on the tying goal. Anyway, the one line that I thought was pretty good all game long, 
although they were out for a goal against two, was the big line of Kara, Neil, and Chason. They're the only line bursts when I'm watching them, and I think, other than McDavid himself, who I th- and maybe Nugent Hopkins, who I think, okay, these other players are totally in a playoff mode. And even Drysaddle, I didn't think, in this game, was totally in a playoff mode all game. There was times when he just seemed to be sleeping out there again. Um, the so the so it's just a few players who seem to have that huge level of intensity, and Kara, James, Neal, and Chason seem to have it, where they're just really playing smart hockey and also just just going for it hard, battling hard. Um, James Neal made a really nice play on Connor McDavid's uh, power play goal to end the second period, where he backed into the Chicago defender, leaving McDavid all kinds of time to make that play and get that goal. So I, I'll go with that line of Neil, Kara, and uh, Chase. On I think JJ Kara is playing his best hockey as an order. He's we did have him. A, I, I did have him as a culprit on the on the uh, first goal. I believe he was a little late to the point, but he is playing well. He's skating well and moving well with the puck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've been liking his game, and uh, you know that whole line. Like you say, they got. Uh, a couple of real pros on the wings on those lines, and they're uh, they're playing hard. They're playing, you know, they're playing for keeps. Uh, I've, I've liked Jason's game throughout the series, and really James Neal. This is as good as he's looked since early in the season. That's right. I think he broke his toe in November, and he was never sorry. He was he was never fast to begin with, but he was never even sort of average speed after that, and. Uh, Whereas now he's he's skating well for him and and uh, getting places and making things happen when he gets there and playing with a little attitude too. I'd like to see a bit more of that from some of the other players. Put him with McDavid, like put him up with Mc, put him and Chase on up with or him and Chase on with McDavid as a top line and reunite the dynamite line. Like a, put anyway, him with well, Drysaddle rather than Nathan Isiu. Move Neil up with Drysaddle maybe because. Exactly, like Neil's earned a promotion, and I think he will get one. I'll be surprised if he doesn't uh, for mm-hmm. next game. Chason's also played very well; like he's uh, hustling yeah. out there. Um, Bruce, your bad thing. Well, it's got to be the 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 weakness to the point shots. I mean, Chicago's been scoring goals off the point. It seems like I mean, game one, I got a few goals from from there, and I mean, we're not even talking about Duncan Keith and and. Uh, uh, Adam Bopist, we're talking about guys like Connor Murphy, Ali Mata, Slater Kook, for goodness sake. I mean, these are like third pairing, or, you know, defensive defensemen, and they, they, you know, they're just lobbing pucks in from the point. The orders aren't getting to the shooting lanes, and they're certainly not covering the slots where the guys are skating free for deflections uh, or in front of the net. And I thought they were, you know, uh, I mean, obviously the tying and winning goals. I mean, I'm sure those were Chicago's last two shots of the game, and they were both sort of, you know, soft shots from outside. And come on, you gotta, you know, you gotta, gotta compete against those shots. I mean, Zach Cassian's coverage on the tying goal. Uh, I mean, Riley, Riley Shane uh, couldn't handle the hard pass into skates and kicked it into the middle of the ice, and then Cassian was late getting to the the shooting lane from the point. And I mean, come on, Zach. You know you pl- you played six minutes and twenty seconds tonight. So what do you got to show for it besides, you know, n- making a key defensive mistake at a crucial point in the game? Like we need uh, Oilers need better from uh, 
Uh, you know, and, and some of it's just, you know, meat and potato stuff, like covering the points. And they're, they're just not getting that part done. And meantime, compare and contrast, how many points, how many goals have the Oilers created out of the blue line, plays from the blue line? I think it's pretty close to zero for the three games, isn't it? Um, did Benning, but no, Benning got that oh, shot. Benning, Benning, Benning got, got that yeah, shot right. on net. So that was one where the Oilers okay. got oh, you're right. a similar kind of play. Uh, went against Chicago, but um, yeah, the Oilers don't seem to get that play, Bruce. You know, they don't have defensemen who are particularly, other than Baron Benning, they don't have defensemen who are particularly adept at quickly getting the puck on net, I'll mm-hmm. suggest. Um, Where's that guy cruising through the slot for the deflection? Oh, God, there was, when the dry settle line was out there in the third period, like I was looking like, who's in front of the net? Like they just dry settle would have the puck in the corner and Yamamoto. This is again a fantasy of just not fitting in on that line at all. Like just go stand in front of the net, buddy, and and you might. But he just seems like he's so tentative and not wanting to make a mistake out it's like there. Like a duck out of water, wasn't he? Like he, he was, he was so tentative with the puck and just you know couldn't make anything happen. With Maybe chase on on one line and kneel on the other. Like you know, how about that? Like get those hard veteran players up on the top line top two lines and let's let's go out that way if we're going to go out you know um yeah the, the 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 winning goal bruce they had nurse and bear reversed for the yep. face off why but but why yeah why and why was ethan bear alone in front of the net having to cover two players he was covering two players alone in front of the net so he can't take the stick of either right and what ends up happening he's going to try to stop Taves, who had an easy tip he doesn't if Bear doesn't get there and Bear accidentally tips it in. Ethan Bear, I thought, was the order's best defenseman. He, other than that, he was. that was a, that was just a tough play. That'll happen. Yeah. I don't the goal even actually him. has been credited to Taves. Oh, they, it has. They both kind of yeah. got their stick on it at the same time. But yeah. uh, you know, Bear Bear got a piece of it, and then I think it might have nicked Taves or or uh, that may they may just have invoked the deity rule and, and given it to him because he was in the neighborhood. They gave it to him for that <laughs> epic stare down. That was it. That they just thought you you have an epic stare down like that with James Neal, and you you at some point this game we must award you a goal. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, my bad thing, and it's not necessarily just against the Oilers because Chicago I think had reason to complain as well. But this game was over officiated. Every little ticky tack thing, especially against the Oilers, seemed to be called. There was a couple of super questionable penalty calls. Chris Russell's penalty where he, you know, I didn't know that uh, angling and pinning was against the, the rules in the NHL, but apparently it is, and it led to a five-on-three. Um, Athanasius' penalty was also particularly lame. And just, well, I mean, you what can't... What did he even do? Yeah. I couldn't... I, I, that, was a, that was finally the one where I blew my cool and I wrote <laughs> on Twitter. I said, and now they're just making shit up. And it got over 200 <laughs> likes on Twitter, so apparently other people seem to be seeing the same thing. Like that, I, that was like five penalties in about seven minutes, and they were calling this lame stuff over and over again. I mean, let them play friggin' uh, hockey. Without oh, the fans wow. there, Bruce, without the fans there to get on the refs for, for tick-tack fouls, maybe they feel they can, they can do that. They're just calling it so close. And what we're seeing because of it is this... You know, the orders can't engage in a ton of physical play. If they did, they'd probably get called all the time. I mean, it's just, it just, it was just very frustrating to see what they thought were a couple of those penalties. Like some of them were penalties, like Archibald's late hit. 
I thought probably, you know, in some they'd let that go because in the NHL they usually let late hits go, but that was a penalty. And there was another one where someone, uh, Benning was over aggressive, I think, and late, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and probably deserved a penalty. But, ah. And then I don't know if Debrinket deserved the double minor, like where the Oilers got the power play goal. Like, where was the double minor? I thought he brought his stick up originally into, was it Benning's uh, face? But, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty borderline. And there was a few pretty borderline ones. And then some of the couple more obvious ones didn't get called. Uh, but that's refereeing in the NHL, especially when Mark Jonette is involved and Dan O'Rourke, they were the masterminds behind this uh, game. And, uh, you know, the, the very erratic uh, officiating uh, really took a lot of flow out of this game. I mean, the penalties in the end didn't didn't hurt the Oilers. Each team got one power. No, I haven't got two power play goals. Um, th- three, ch- no, they each got one. Edmonton got yeah, one. each got one. For three, and Chicago got one for six, including that five-on-three after that lame holding penalty call on Russell that put his team two men short. I was pretty surprised by that call against a veteran. I thought veterans are supposed to get the calls. Russell had the stick chopped out of his hands. He went back. He pinned the guy against the boards. He put his arm in there, but it wasn't like he grabbed him. He actually put his wrist out in front of the, the guy to sort of it was guide him into the guard. To call that holding? Like... They're just struggling for position. And, yeah, I don't – and then, yeah, what a tough goal that was. I mean – And then, yeah, so many bad bounces on that play. I mean, Leon tipped the puck. That would have gone out of the zone except for it basically hit Taves on the way out. They kept it in. And then uh, on the the goal itself, like Nurse took one guy's stick, Drysettle took another guy's stick, Taves, and the puck hit his skate, dribbled towards the net, Koskinen – Dives over and it actually catches his paddle and he actually cost him to put it in. That was I think it was going off the post until he got a stick on it and changed direction and pulled it into the just inside this, the post. Four this, seconds left in the period. Yeah. This is a killer. This was not Koskinen's best game, Bruce. He um, Ooh, it was not good. You know, there was only there's twelve grade A shots and four goals against. So that's a lot of grade A shots, but a lot five of those grade A shots were off the post. So he didn't yeah. make saves on them. In fact, he, five? he I counted four, but yeah, sure. well, I thought it was five. Maybe, maybe, it, was maybe it was. And, and, you know, that's not good goaltending uh, when you're letting in oh. half the real grade A shots. And on that goal, on that goal, he, I thought he stumbled at the side of the net, which is why he was so out of position and, and so mm-hmm. late lunging to the play because yeah. he had stumbled earlier. And he just seemed all game long, just like the rest of the orders, just a little bit stumbling and halting. Uh, At least two misplays of what should have been relatively easy shots that wound up with big rebounds and 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 uh, I mean there was one that was going to be a goal if Ethan Bear doesn't come up with a big save in the crease and I think that was on one of the plays where Koskinen kind of lost his yeah lost his mojo and you know couldn't freeze the puck and lost his position you know and the wound up Bear was the guy in the crease that kept the puck from going in the net. We'll see, Smith. we'll see Smith. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the concern now, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yes. we, what we need to see is Mike Smith that's laser-focused and comes back with his A game, and maybe that happens, you know, but uh, there's, a, there's also a reasonably good chance it doesn't happen, and there's now literally zero margin for error. One more bad game and the season's over. 
Okay, your number. Uh, I'm going to go with 13 and 3. And that is the uh, shot attempts in this game when Caleb Jones was on the ice. He had to come in and play uh, because Adam Larson was deemed unfit to play just before the game. And all day it sounded like the Oilers were just going to go with their lineup. And whatever was the issue with Larson, which nobody seemed too sure about, it seemed like the Oilers, like at the very beginning of the game, I thought they looked very rattled. And I Did they ever? That, that was it. And, you know, they, they stabilized when Drysaddle tied it at 1-1. One to one, But the first 10 minutes were, were not pretty at all. Brutal. And, and then uh, uh, Caleb Jones, like he only played 9 minutes and 43 seconds. And his partner, uh, um, uh, Matthew Benning, played 9 minutes as well. And so they were really getting spotted in the third period. They were only getting uh, uh, very short shifts on the fly. Tippett would sneak them over the boards, and as soon as there was a whistle, they would go back to the bench. But they uh, they wound up plus one, and they wound up, you know, with the puck going the right way. And, you know, as, as numbers go, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of sort of mishmash of, you know, guys around 50% in a lot of these stats and the Jones Benning pair really jumps off the page for the for the possession numbers at least and like I say it did turn into one Edmonton goal and no problems against while they were out there yeah I thought actually I thought Jones was a little better than Benning uh Benning uh, made a few mistakes um in the game a couple of bad pinches whereas uh Jones w- was less inclined to do so and Look good with the puck. I mean, I really like Caleb Jones. I think if they had gone with him this year, he, he could be playing as well as Ethan Bear right now. I think he's got that level of ability, and um, he's a very good player. I mean, Ethan Bear is a very good player. They have two two players like that, and hopefully they'll find uh, more ice time for Jones. My maybe some of it could have come at the expense of Darnell Nurse tonight, who had a pretty rough game. Bruce, I thought. Ooh, yeah. He just. So my number is six, which is the number of mistakes on grade A chances that Nurse made in one game, which is like usually about three games worth for a defenseman, even playing tough competition. He just he just didn't seem on it, Bruce. Um, and this was as passive a game as I've seen from Darnell Nurse in a long, long time. And here's here's passive as you can read it in the stats: uh, minus two, no points. Um, Zero shot attempts of any description. I mean, for Darnell Nurse, that is extremely rare. He's always sort of flipping pucks, you know, on net, bad angles and stuff. But he's, you know, he gets his his attempts. Zero shot attempts, zero hits. I bet you you could look through the entire season and not find one of those for this player. Three giveaways. And the only positives were three block shots where, you know, I just thought he was passive. He was he was laying down on the penalty kill, lying down on the net and the crease, you know, and the, trying to take away the passing lane. And just none of his normal aggressiveness where he just takes charge and, and finishes a guy into the boards. And, you know, they're, they're just that aspect of his game was just lacking tonight. And uh, as you say, six scoring chances against, it was just not his night at all. Yeah, and, the, and that's him being a major culprit on them too. He's not just not out there for it. He's actually right. making big mistakes on them. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, I don't know. It's just not his. He was. I thought he was actually really strong on the penalty kill, Bruce. I mean, the uh-huh. penalty kill was fantastic. Truly, it was. I mean, they they 
they shut down that team. They didn't get any. Chicago didn't, except for the one grade A scoring chance. They didn't have any other grade A scoring chances on the power play. One on the five on three. Off that's the right. Other, that's it. That was it. So that's damn good penalty killing. And Nurse was a big part of that. So I really give him credit for that. So like on the penalty kill, he was like an eight. I thought it may be a seven, but at even strength, he was like a two. You know, he mm-hmm. just he just that was not close to what he needs to play as a veteran player way better as a veteran player who's got to step up and lead this team in the playoffs that wasn't close to it you know mcdavid he's he's doing it i think he's playing well nugent hopkins is playing well dreisaitl had his best game um some of the other veterans are but he's got to step up he and clefbaum have got to step up clefbaum i thought was actually pretty good he didn't get caught on a lot of mistakes this game bruce Whereas mm-hmm. he had done so more in other games, so he, he played a pretty quiet game, but was okay. But um, both he and and uh, and I thought Russell got better as the game went on. He's in a tough spot having to make those backhand passes on his offside. Like it just is a bad idea. But what you know, I I, I would have preferred Caleb Jones with uh, Cuffbaum in that spot. And you know they're not going to do that because that's not how it goes in the NHL. But that's what I would have liked to see. Coach Coach likes his veterans, though, and you watch. Chris Russell play long enough. You can see why the coach yeah. likes him. I mean, yeah, I like if him. If you can watch him with an unjaundiced eye, some people see. Yes. What they, you know. They, you just look at the backhand I passes. I don't up the say boards. anymore. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 then you're upset all the time, and you don't see anything else. But Matt, he is such a great defensive hockey player. He really is. And because um, he was aggressive, he was taking the man, and he uh, he had a couple of as as he often does, very good shot blocks in this game. Um, and good on the penalty kill also, but uh, uh, he, you know, he stepped up into a difficult role. But uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> it wasn't quite enough for a pretty crucial game. He he only made two major mistakes on goal uh, scoring grade eight chances against. One of them was on the goal where he screened the goalie. That was a very tough play, of course, because he's he's trying to take out. I think it was Doc. Kirby maybe, Doc, yeah, probably giving up. 20 or 30 pounds to him, right? Kirby Doc looks... Monster. Yeah, he's he looking good. He yeah, good. he does. And, and I have to be happy about that because he's from Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. So he's a local kid. And, and even though he's on with the Blackhawks, I, I have to be really happy to see that kind of uh, play from him. Good for Kirby Doc. That was a wicked hit that Archibald threw on. It was like Craig Muni or yeah. Brian Marchment. Could have been yeah, a that was, Maybe, that, I don't yeah. know. That was yeah. That was a Charlie horse in the making. He got him right on the thigh. Yeah. And that's he went off wincing, and I thought Charlie horse. And I mean, he might be uh, he might be sore tomorrow, but uh, he came back and and came back for more. And you know, he played the most of any Chicago forward. Kirby Doc, what is he? Eighteen, maybe nineteen years old now. I don't know what his birthday wow. is. I know he was drafted last year. He played twenty three minutes and twenty one seconds in this game as a forward. That you know, the a weird, ton of ice time for a teenager. Holy moly. The weird thing is, Bruce, we went into this series worried about Patrick Kane. And he's been pretty much, you know, it's the scary thing is, he's been pretty much a non-factor. And um, Frack, like, if he goes off in a game, like, so so the Oilers are just in a super tough position. They could easily be out, this, out of this series, um, you know, that said, that was a super close game that could have gone to either team, obviously. Like, But that's hockey, and mm-hmm. it didn't go to the Oilers. The bounces didn't go against them. And again, I thought 
weighing it all, weighing all those goalposts in with the four mm-hmm. goals that they did get. I, th- I thought Chicago was the superior team tonight. Four goals on 25 shots plus a mitt full of posts. Yeah. What did you have the final scoring chances at? They were 12 each. 12 each, right? 12 each. 12 each, Bruce. Natural Statric had high danger chances, which is their equivalent to ours, but with different parameters. But the same general idea of of dangerous chances from close range is 15 for Edmonton and 7 for Chicago. So they had Edmonton. Do they not count goalposts? Maybe they don't. Well, it depends where the shot comes from, I guess. If it comes from 40 feet. Do they don't count close? deflections no. off your own team even? Like, or oh, that's a good screen question. goals? Like screen goals that's where the goalie doesn't yeah, see seven, it? Seven seems low. but uh, Yeah, seven. Uh, it, there's seven. That's kind of low, considering they did hit at least four posts. And almost all of those were from slot shots. I think all of them were. Or, or one of them was a cross. Like, the first, there was a cross seam to dock early in the first period, which maybe would have been a great B shot, but it's a cross seam across the Royal yeah. Road, and he hits the post. That's a great A chance. Yeah, so. yeah, for us, it is. For natural stat trick, it's all about where the shot comes from. Yeah, they might not be factoring in other other factors, which lead to d- degree of difficulty in a shot. Well, Bruce, any final thoughts? Better win Friday. Got to win Saturday. <laughs> no margin for error now. And that, you know, this was, it's so frustrating because this was a game I thought they were in pretty good shape with 10 minutes to go in the third I period. agree, Bruce. And I didn't, what I didn't like was they weren't generating any offense. I thought they were getting the, you know, getting the play out of their own end by and large. But I thought a fourth goal would be just huge. And they never even really came close to it in, uh, in the third period. Um, eventually, two point shots and two perfect deflections and that lead has gone up in smoke and they can't even make it to overtime well again it's partly you know you know if Ennis doesn't get hurt then that Yamamoto line that dry settle line was cranking it up right mm-hmm. and that was the difference that line Yamamoto and dry settle were ready to go and in the, they just couldn't they would they were had the puck a lot between them but they just couldn't get it going. I'm not really blaming Athanasio necessarily because he doesn't fit in on that line for whatever reason. But the, the coach could maybe, you know, put James, you know, you don't have to put Athanasio there. You could put James Neal. So I haven't been loving Tippett's coaching, but a lot of this, this has to do with just, I think, an overall rustiness after being off for whatever it was, four months, four and a half months. And we're, I just yep. see we're seeing it in, in all kinds of aspects of the Oilers game right now. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's had a big impact on the series. Of course, you could the Chicago's up against the same thing, so excuses are for well, losers. Each team's got thirteen goals on the series. You know, it's a it's a toss up, but yeah. Chicago's managed to get the extra one in the in the odd game tonight, and just like that, same thing happens with Montreal and Pittsburgh. Twelfth seed is ahead of the fifth seed, two two games to one, and. These were the two series that were the heavy favorites in each conference, of course, five against twelve, and and hockey, it's such a crapshoot, David. It's, you know, the outcomes, there's so much randomness in hockey. This is where you yes. like 82 games as opposed to five. And when you were 12 points ahead of the team that now all of a sudden had the playing field leveled, it's a little bit hard to swallow. And with all that said, I mean, the COVID situation has screwed up a whole lot of things worldwide. Uh, and hockey is just one of those things. 
I really am glad to see the hockey. I really am enjoying this. So I like, even though that was a very frustrating game, it's been a frustrating series and a lot of, there's been some pretty special moments like McDavid's goal the other night uh, was such a special goal uh, that, you know, if they didn't, don't come back, we never, we don't see that. So McDavid really deserved like that. This is why I was hoping he'd get a chance in these playoffs because he Mm -hmm. deserves this stage and he's not yet done on this stage. It's not over till it's over. And I, we have yet to hear everything we're going to hear from Connor McDavid, I think, in this series, Bruce. And I'll, that'll be my final word. Right. All right. Yeah, well, he's uh, he did score tonight. I didn't think he was near his best, but uh, he did he did put the Oilers ahead and, they, and put them in position to win. But we'll need uh, big guns firing and the little guns firing uh, to uh, extract... A victory out of the series now down two to one it's a it's a pretty grim situation all right thanks for talking bruce thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast to be an oilers fan is to suffer bruce <laughs>